Heading into 2023, our call from God was clear. Raise up a radical missionary movement that will transform the global youth culture for Jesus. We cried out to God and believed that in faith we would see thousands of people transformed by the power of the gospel in 2023. And the amazing thing is, we did. The sheer number of people God allowed us to reach is extraordinary. Still, more than anything, it's the faces in the crowd, the individual stories of God raising up leaders and rescuing lives that are simply stunning. Willing to celebrate it publicly here in Oslo. Michael from Norway is one of the young missional leaders with a wild, childlike faith that God is raising up. He attended the Seiger Mission School in 2022. In June, he gathered 70 people from eight churches in his home city of Oslo. They ran a flash mob down the main street and ended with a gospel proclamation in front of the parliament building. Many people stayed to talk and pray afterwards. Kirill from Russia connected with Steiger at a conference and shared how he'd been using our evangelism and discipleship tools to equip a team in his city. He shared testimonies of people regularly coming to Jesus and getting baptized in his church. The Steiger Eurasia team invited him to the regional Steiger Mission School in Georgia this May for further training and to connect with like-minded people. Creole and his wife recently moved from their home city and they've already started a new significant evangelistic movement. Vika is from Ukraine. She had an interest in spirituality and was looking for connection in new age practices like astrology and tarot cards. Because of the war, she moved to the smaller town of Ivano-Frankivsk where she met some people from the Steiger Community House. She felt such a crazy love and acceptance from the team that she started attending all of the events there. She opened the Bible for the very first time at the Bible study for the non-religious. After months in the community, Vika's heart opened to the possibility of knowing God personally. She invited Jesus into her life and prayed a prayer of repentance. She shared, for the first time in my life, I heard a voice in response to my spiritual seeking. This summer, she was baptized and attended the Steiger Mission School. Jero showed up at the first No Longer Music concert in Argentina. He was expecting to see a foreign pop punk band for free, but he was so blown away by what he experienced that he decided to come to a second concert an hour away. But that wasn't enough. He ended up seeing us perform four times. He told us later that it wasn't the music or the crazy visuals that kept him coming back, but a force inside of him that made him feel part of the love that God was bringing to the world. Nine days after coming to the first show, he was baptized in a bathtub of the apartment where the band was staying. Paula was a leader in the radical feminist movement in Funza Mascara, Colombia. Steiger team member Allison connected with her at a protest and invited Paula and her boyfriend Sergio to the local Steiger community space. They started attending a Bible study for the non-religious and gradually began to understand who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. A few months ago, the team held a special retreat for people who had been coming to the Bible study. And at this retreat, Paula and Sergio decided to follow Jesus. They are now part of the Steiger team. God moved so powerfully in 2023 that we could fill a book with all the incredible stories. He allowed us to reach wide and deep, both the masses and the faces in the crowd. And the results were stunning. Currently, we have 179 Steiger movements, which are groups engaging with our resources and community to reach the global youth culture for Jesus in their cities. They are active in 155 cities around the world, along with 24 Steiger city teams. Through Steiger's evangelistic and discipleship efforts worldwide, 91,670 people heard the gospel proclaimed in person. There were 10,061 attendees at our Bible studies for the non-religious and other follow-up events. 
8,551 young people completed a Steiger Impact event, trip, or intensive training. 41,456 people participated in a live online or in-person church training event. 161 students and volunteers from 32 countries attended the Steiger Mission School in Germany, the most countries ever represented. Over 1,300 people from 64 countries registered for our annual online intensive training in October. Participants were called to join a global missionary movement marked by bold and creative action. While we are excited by the numbers and the stories of individual impact in 2023, we are unsatisfied. And the entire generation is being destroyed by lies. Join us in praying that God would raise up a generation of dynamic young leaders with wild childlike faith so that 2024 will be our most fruitful year yet. What's so amazing to me when I watch that is that all started back about 43 years ago with four people in, in, in our little apartment in Amsterdam. So, I mean, I'm just blown away by what God is doing. My hair looks pretty bad, doesn't it? Sorry. Um, you know, I've written, a, I've written some books, and I think my books are cool, but what's really cool is when your sons write books, you know, and they expose all the lies in your books. And so... My son, Aaron, my oldest son, has just written a book, Not Beyond Reach. Do you want to put this slide up? I think we have it. Do we? No? All right. Well, anyway, my son wrote this book, Not, Not Beyond Reach, How to Share Jesus with the Young, the Deconstructed, and the Non-Religious. So do we have anyone like that in New Zealand? <laughs> so... So grab this book. We don't sell our stuff. You can just take it. But if you want to leave a donation, you can do that. And, uh, and this is the book my other son wrote, uh, Ben, Jesus in the Secular World. And, uh, you know, reaching a, a culture in crisis. Do we have any culture in crisis here? Well, yes, we do. So I think these books will be really helpful for you. Um, this year has been... So crazy. I mean, one of the places we're really active is, is in Ukraine. And I can remember Jody and I were there, the, well, when we just were there recently, we were told if you, hear, if you hear a missile, you need to, if you hear a whistle, fall to the ground, cover your ears and keep your mouth open. Because if there, when the explosion happens, if you don't have your mouth open and your ears covered, it could, it'll like blow your, your eardrums out. And we had to walk right behind our, our guy there because of the landmines. So we had to stay right behind him. And we went to this, to this village where unspeakable atrocities had taken place with these, meeting with these beautiful people, praying with them. And what's crazy, just before that, I, we were in the country of Georgia meeting with our Russian teams. We have, we have uh, teams... Uh, reaching the young people in about 100 cities in Russia. And we were meeting with people who were not, it wasn't about when we're going to go to prison, or it's not about if we're going to go to prison, but when. Wow. And they're so radical. So in, and Jody and I are planning on going to St. Petersburg, Russia, in a few months. And then after that, we'll be going to Ukraine and on and onward. But it's just been a crazy year. Um, hard and amazing. So I feel like I have a prophetic word for this church. So 
I hope it's, if it isn't, it won't hurt you. It's from the Bible, so. <laughs> Lord, I'm so grateful to be here. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would revive us because don't we need it, Lord? I do. I need your revival in my heart. Amen. So Moses told the 12 leaders of the tribes to go spy out the promised land. Now, I think he chose leaders because he, didn't, he couldn't just chose some young guys to be spies, but he chose 12 leaders. And I think the reason he did that is because he thought they would have some spiritual insight into what the promised land was like. That's why he chose leaders, not just 12, any 12 people. Okay, starting with Numbers verse 13, chapter 13, verse 17. So Moses sent them to explore Canaan. Go up to the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. How many are they? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Okay, so he sends the 12 spies, the 12 leaders. And then in verse 23, <clears throat> when they reached the valley of Eskol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eskol because the cluster of grapes of the Israelites cut off there. So at the 40, end of the 40 days, they returned. All right. What's the first thing that I, we learned from reading this, this text? These were huge grapes. I mean, come on, imagine it. There's these dudes, right? And they're, there's this pole, and they're carrying it, the grape. One cluster of grapes is so heavy that it takes two guys with a pole between them to carry one cluster of grapes. Archaeologists say that in this valley alone, there were thousands of beehives. In fact, they're saying that the, because of all the beehives in this valley, that the trees were literally wet from the honey. And that they could probably harvest like a thousand kilos of honey every year just in this valley. It was literally, literally a land flowing with milk and honey. So the first thing, the first thing about the promised land. If I'm in the promised land, I'm going to have science fiction level fruit. I'm not, it's, I'm going to, it's going to be science, like science fiction size, and it's going to be dripping with honey. So how do I know I'm not in the promised land? It's simple. Yeah. How do I know I'm not in the promised land? Little brown grapes because when you're in the promised land you don't just have natural fruit you don't just have little brown grapes 
because God wants to give me science fiction grapes. Now why, so the question I have to ask myself is why would I settle for a bunch of little brown grapes when I can have crazy psycho fruit? I mean, it's a question, isn't it, that we could ask ourselves? All right, verse 27. They gave this account to Moses. We went into the land which you sent us in, and it's flowing with milk and honey. And here is the fruit. So they come with these giant grapes, right? But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. And so then everyone's freaking out at this point. You know, like, what are we doing? We can't go to a, into the promised land when there's this, it's fortified and there's all, you know. And then Caleb gets up and he tells everyone to be quiet. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land. It is certainly ours. But then the other 10 leaders got up. We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. They are, they're, and so they started to spread this bad report. And they're saying, when you go to the promised land, it devours you. I don't know what they meant. You know, like if the ground opened up. And, but they actually said that the land devours you. And it said all the people there are of great size. And they're big, giant people. And we seemed like grasshoppers. And when they looked at at us, we looked, we felt like grasshoppers. Now, isn't that amazing? Think of the contrast between these, these 12 leaders. Didn't they see God do the same things? Didn't they see the, the miracles during the, how God saved them during the plagues, the war, the tribulations? Did they forget about the bread, the manna, the pillar of fire, the cloud, and that God came to, to, to guide them. And then it makes me think about myself. How do I see myself? Do I see myself like I'm a grasshopper? When I look at the problems that I face today, do I feel, do I feel like a grasshopper? You see, grasshoppers have a very small view of God. Grasshoppers have a small view of themselves. And when you're a grasshopper, you believe, you believe that really, you know, prayer, God doesn't really hear, hear our prayers that much. And at the end of the day, the battle is really up to us. At the end of the day, we're on our own. Grasshoppers believe it's through their methods through their strength, that the battle is won or lost. But Caleb understood this. God uses weak, outnumbered people to kill giants. God doesn't give us enough on purpose. He doesn't give us enough. And he says to me, do impossible things with it. And it's always been that way. So I offer my two loaves and my three fish. I give them to Jesus and he multiplies them. 
Romans 8.31, what should we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? All the great heroes of the faith understood what Joshua and Caleb understood. Yes, God is calling us to the promised land. It's crazy. It's impossible. But, but with God, we certainly can do it. But you can't go back to Egypt. Now, I've never actually lived in Egypt, so I never really wanted to go back there. But anyway, Numbers 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly and said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken. Wouldn't it be better for us to be back in Egypt? And as they said this to each other, they thought, we should choose a leader to take us back to Egypt. Well, like I told you, I never thought about going back to Egypt, but I have thought about going back to Amsterdam, you know, where our ministry started so many years ago. You know, and we have, you know, with so much is happening, there's always so many giants to fight. There's so many challenges, you know, and working in places where there's wars and economic disaster and just the kind of issues that we're facing today in the world. And, I, and I'll say to God, God, can, can I go back to the earlier days? You know, maybe Jody and I, my wife and I, we could go back to Amsterdam, you know, how we were in the beginning. And maybe we could just start a little Bible study there, live in Amsterdam Go back to the earlier days where I don't have to fight so many giants. And I'm, when I'm, as I've been saying this to God, I feel like God says to me, David, the past is over. Amsterdam days are over. The faith steps from the past will not sustain me today. God is calling us to a new land. What was the promised land for you and for me last year, two years ago, can be Egypt for me today. That's why so many followers of Jesus start out so radical, so spirit-filled, and end up domesticated and dead. Because I stopped taking those steps. And I wake up one day, and I'm back in Egypt. A happy, living in my happy little tent in Egypt. And then the devil says to me, here David, here's here's your life now. You can live in this nice air-conditioned tent in Egypt and dream of days gone by and fight imaginary battles online. But I believe God is saying to us, do you really want 
Lots of little brown grapes. Or will you be willing to move forward? Will you enter the promised land? Or not? Numbers 14, 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of whoever, were among those who explored the land. And they tore their clothes. The land we pass through is exceedingly good. It is, the Lord is pleased. And he wants to give it to us. He will lead us into their land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people. We will devour them. Their protection is gone. Do not be afraid of them. Their protection is gone. But I still have to fight. I still have to have courage. See, the devil wants to take all the fight out of me. And he wants to take all the fight out of you. You know, maybe the 10 spies were right. Let's not be too crazy. Let's be more reasonable in our approach. God wouldn't ask us to actually fight, would he? But I'm here to tell you, in all my years of ministry, one of the things that I have learned is that the majority is almost always wrong. And you will always find people who will tell you that God would never want you to fight. That you need to stay safe and calm and comfortable. But for sure, God would never ask you to fight. And this is very appealing when you're a grasshopper because grasshoppers travel in herds and they don't fight. They are afraid, they consume, and then they hop away. But Joshua and Caleb knew they would have to fight to enter the promised land. They understood that. Nothing of importance comes without fighting. Why would I think that something that has eternal consequences that could change this country, change this city, would not come without a fight? Everything in life tells me that. Why would I think the promised land would be any different? That's why to take the new land, you need crazy, unbalanced warriors. That's why I need Jesus followers who push me to be a warrior, who encourage me to take the promised land, to fight. Don't just hang around with people who have no idea of battle. Only predictability, security, and safety. Comfort. Instead, we should surround ourselves with men and women who will challenge our faith. 12 spies, 12 leaders, and only two enter the promised land because they understood whom they, who they represented. Only two. So, let's not die in the desert. 
or even worse, return to Egypt. We are not called to survive. We are not called to just survive this world. We are called to change this world. And God wants to give us science fiction level fruit to take the promised land we have to fight, but the fruit God wants to give us is not little brown grapes. It's thousands and thousands of people coming to Jesus. A worldwide move of God. A Jesus movement. And why can't that Jesus movement start here in this church in the middle of Auckland? A new move. An unsnatched something human. Something supernatural. An unstoppable force. The move of the Holy Spirit with no limits. A church unlimited. There are huge giants that we face today. I don't have to tell you that. Brokenness on an un unprecedented level everywhere we look. And if I'm going to face those giants, if I'm going to confront them, I need to know God more than I do right now. Yeah. It's not an option for me. My relationship with God can't be the way it was before yesterday, this morning. I need to go deeper. I have to be stronger. I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I have not arrived. I need to know God's word better. I need to meditate on it. I need a higher view of God. I got to stop seeing myself like a grasshopper. For I am more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then church, we need to fight for what is ours. You need to fight for what is yours. What belongs to you? What is your inheritance? What is the promised land God wants to give Church Unlimited? And we need to not forget how the battle's won. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. Let's choose the faith of Caleb and Joshua, the faith that declares, for God, nothing is impossible. Nothing can stop the Lord of the angel armies. Nothing can stop us from taking this promised land. Nothing can stop God from giving us the land that he wants to give us. Their protection is gone. Jesus defeated the power of death. He, when he came back to life, he broke the chains. We need to not be ashamed of him. We need to declare this to the marketplace, to the streets. Every revolution always begins outside of the church. So rise up. Enter the promised land. Yeah. 
Go and fight for those science fiction level grapes. Don't settle. Don't settle for this.